Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by Emma Lewisham, the founder and CEO of her namesake brand. Emma Lewisham's skincare was, in a sense, born from grief. Following the passing of her mother, Emma tells me that she realised that, in her own words, no one is invincible, which prompted her to examine her own health, which after a visit to her doctor, led to her taking a close look at her topical skincare. Emma had grown accustomed to high-performance clinical-grade skincare and couldn't find anything that could replicate the results she was used to in the natural skincare realm. From there, Emma sought out the world's best biochemists, even bringing one out of retirement, and began to develop her own brand. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you will have seen me repeatedly rave about Emma Lewisham's products. So despite being such a young brand in the grand scheme of things, and even in the context of this podcast, I was really quite desperate to interview Emma because I almost selfishly just wanted to pick her brain. There are many, many things that are impressive about this brand, which you will hear me gush over during this conversation. But it's Emma Lewisham's approach to sustainability that quite literally blew me away. Emma is working towards an entirely circular business model and her brand's sustainability initiatives just don't feel like something that have been tacked on. Every single detail, every element of the supply chain has been considered and really poured over. I have included a link in the show notes, of course, that would take you to some really really transparent information on the brand's sustainability initiatives. And if you have the time, I really do encourage you to read through those documents as I sincerely believe that they are going to adjust and set a new pace for the rest of the beauty industry. This conversation with Emma really prompted and inspired me to look at my own consumption and I truly, truly believe the Emma Lewisham brand are swiftly becoming the world's leaders in sustainable beauty. In this conversation, Emma and I discuss how her brand has garnered the reputation of the La Mer of natural skincare, how she's managing to balance both sustainability and results without compromise, and why a circular business model is the way of the future. You grew up in Nelson on New Zealand's South Island. So let's start there. What is your very, very earliest memory of beauty? Yes, I grew up in the South Island of New Zealand. It's a very beautiful part of the country, very close to beaches and national parks with crystal blue water, golden sands to sort of set the scene. So I had a very grounding childhood, spent mostly in nature, opposed to being, say, in a big city with shopping malls and that sort of stimulus. I guess for me, like the earliest memory of beauty when I think about this was of my mother and she had such an amazing warmth and connection and intelligence that people gravitated towards her and I have a vivid memory of watching my mom as a child and being very in awe of this and that this is what represented beauty to me and I would say you know that still very much is what represents beauty to me that it's authenticity and warmth and and kindness that comes through from people so it was my mum that that taught me this oh I love that I read that you spend a great deal of your childhood on farms owned by your father and your grandfather a few questions on that 
firstly, growing up kind of running around on a farm, did you ever imagine that you would end up in the beauty industry? It seems like quite the contradiction, doesn't it? Gumboots and makeup. Um, look, I actually, you know, I was like actually quite a like tomboy type and I didn't think that I would end up in beauty. Uh, but look, my family always recognized me as someone who paddled her own canoe and stood up for what I believed was just and fair, even if it wasn't a popular position. And my grandfather and my dad raised me to be such a strong female and believed nothing was impossible. My grandfather was actually very innovative in how he, he farmed and actually very ahead of his time when I reflect back on it, sort of operating in a regenerative and sustainable way before it was even a thing. And to him and my father, it was inherent to treat animal and the land with the utmost respect. So although it wasn't beauty I thought I'd end up in, I always thought that I would have and do something that was meaningful in the work that I did. Um, and... I learned from both my grandfather and my and my dad that the love and the energy you put into something is really returned in the results that, that you see. You know, I learned things like not to take shortcuts and to take pride in the work you do. So there's a number of things by osmosis that I picked up from them and their approach to farming that I have applied to my work in beauty, which um, has kind of come full circle. Well, this makes a lot of sense because protecting the environment is a pillar that your brand is really built on, which we will, of course, talk more about. But I was going to ask you if you think that your childhood spent out in nature has perhaps shaped a bit of that brand ethos, but it sounds like it has. Yes, without a doubt. Sustainability to me, which means respect to people and the planet, are values that were modeled to me from a very early age. So it wasn't even a, I need to be a sustainable brand. It was something that was just very intuitive and came naturally to me when making the decisions I did. So, you know, for example, we have 100% traceability to our ingredients, which seems very easy, an easy statement, but it's very unheard of in the beauty industry. Wholesalers do not want to disclose their sources in beauty, and it's something that I've really fought for and being adamant about in terms of knowing and understanding where the ingredients come from that I put in my products. And being able to have that traceability means you can check the things out, like how are they treating people? How are they treating the planet and the biodiversity on the farm that these ingredients come from? So that taking that extra mile is sort of like a real, I guess, symbolic, symbolic um, thing of the Emma Lewisham brand and sustain and what sustainability means to me is not just you know one thing at the end of recycled material but it's like every decision that you make every day that counts and matters I think that so comes across with the brand as well because obviously people are talking more about sustainability now but you having obviously been across that and aware of it from such a young age it does come across in the brand it doesn't seem like you've made this decision like oh let's try and work this in somewhere it just has always been part of it yeah absolutely i believe so it's not about greenwashing for us Mm. and um, a marketing ploy it's genuine and we genuinely go the extra mile and like care that we empower people and the planet on the way through so at university, you studied marketing, economics, and chemistry, which that combination kind of seems like the perfect mix for a beauty brand founder. But at that time, did you have 
any interest in starting a brand or even working in beauty? What did you thought that you might do with, you know, those qualifications? Yeah, it sounds, it's very serendipitous now that I look back at my my life and reflect on it with you. But still, I didn't have that inkling at, at this point. Um, and you're a very inquisitive and an analytical person and always like search for the truth and understanding why things happened and how people ticked and I think I was quite a challenge to my teachers and my my lecturers sort of not accepting this is impossible as an answer um so I and look I always wanted to do something that I could contribute and make a difference towards so at that point I thought I would either like work in like as a lawyer just actually do some legal papers as well or work in politics and early in my career I actually did work at a private economic think tank Hmm. think tank which worked to influence public policy in New Zealand so and my grandfather always joked that I'd like one day try and be the prime minister of New Zealand but um look for now I'm very happy to work towards positive changes in the beauty industry and making a difference on the planet that way. You finished your business degree in Spain. Now, I've read that your grandfather is Spanish. Is that what drew you to study there? Is that somewhere you'd always hoped to travel? Absolutely. Yes, it did. I always wanted to go to Spain to learn more about my heritage. And I'd always been so drawn to sort of the, the beauty and the poet- poeticness of the of the Spanish culture. I loved uh, art history. I was studying the language. I loved their music and just their focus on um, family and friends and, and that being so important to them in their lives and I wanted to go over there and ex- experience it firsthand so I finished my university degree over there which was so cool. Any opportunity to drop travel into these interviews over the last couple of months? <laughs> oh, I'm like, <laughs> I know just, I was actually just quite nice like reminiscing on that. <laughs> given that you've spent some time traveling have you noticed any big differences in the way that people in Spain approach beauty as compares compared sorry to say New Zealand and Australia? Yes I, I think so look I I really admire how the Spanish women embrace aging so well they they don't overcomplicate their beauty routine they don't wear heavy makeup on their skin that they, they are very much about enhancing their natural features uh, so you actually well I didn't see them wearing a lot of bright colors or lipsticks and actually very rarely do you see them sort of experimenting with hair color um, whereas I feel that New Zealand and Australians we are a lot more playful and we use makeup and and beauty is a way to express ourselves differently and to channel our own personality and it's such a statement for us of empowerment and individuality which I think is really um, nice as well so there's some differences and both I sort of like take from one another. After you finished studying, you went on to work as general manager of marketing and corporate for tech company Brother International, which is a bit different to the beauty industry. Was launching a brand or even just eventually moving into the beauty space at all in your head during that time? No. So that was sort of in my like early 20s and still I hadn't, you know, um, imagined where I would be here now. And look, it was a time I was so busy. I was flying somewhere every week. I traveled internationally to Japan because uh, it's a Japanese company, to New York, to Singapore. I was sort of running big teams and projects. And it was 
a very demanding job and I was actually very passionate about the work that I did and I was learning so much about running a company and what it takes that I didn't even really think about moving on and I was in a real sort of career tra trajectory in this big like corporate and I, I did feel at the time I was having such a positive impact and giving females in my team a voice um, and in, in a culture that still is very like backwards in that term um, you know Japanese is still business is still very much male male um, driven and led so although like the the product type um, was maybe not something that I was super passionate about I did love the difference and the impact that I could make within people in my team and that I was working on and was yeah loving sort of meeting people from all over the world um, from South Korea to South Africa and to, to America so still wasn't on my radar at that point this might be a stretch, but were there any lessons that you picked up while working in corporate that you found to be applicable to your work now? Absolutely. I actually think there's been a huge amount that I've learned and been so lucky to learn that I've been able to apply to Emma Lorsham. Uh, like we've always operated as a global company from the get-go in terms of our infrastructure and our processes as a business. And that's what I learned from working in a big, big corporate um the other thing in which is important to me and i've like brought through is just the importance of that like, communication when you've got you know thousands of people within an organization and trying to keep everyone connected with a with a goal that you're trying to achieve and taking them on the journey um i've learned some really good lessons and, and skills in that area that has put me in good stead with my team today okay let's talk the brand Yes. Everyone who listens to this knows how obsessed I am with your skincare. So I'm very excited to get into this part. I understand that your company was, in a sense, born from grief. If you, if you would like to, could you talk me through that time and how things did change for you? Yes, thanks. Um, it was a time in my life where I was in a period of and very introspective uh, having something of the magnitude that happened to me which was losing my mother who was still young uh, absolutely brings you down to earth and makes you realize that you're you're not invincible so it was a very sobering and reflective time in my life and I've been going extremely fast-paced for 10 years in my career prioritizing that over my own health and it made me really wake up and realize that I had to make some changes to how I lived. So it did stop me in my, in my tracks. So you started to take a closer look at your own health, including, of course, the skincare that you were using. Yeah. What were some of the things that you discovered when you started taking that closer look? Yeah, so I first of all started to really focus on my work hours and mm -hmm. incorporating like good exercise into my day and understanding the benefits of like a vegetarian diet and its impact to reducing the risk of cancer. It's also um, very, like very linked to um, a much more sustainable way of, of living. So I really mainly started there um, and to be honest at that point, it hadn't really infected in what I put on my skin as something mm -hmm. that I needed change I was a little bit cynical about that that movement um, at that stage so it actually wasn't until I went to speak to my doctor about the changes I was making and doing a general checkup and he asked me what I was using on my skin 
and a skin issue that I really battled with uh, growing up in such a sunny part of New Zealand with hyperpigmentation, which of course is triggered from too much time in the sun, were one of the main reasons. And the product that I was using was uh, hydroquinone. So I said to my doctor, I was using hydroquinone and he categorically said, stop using it, that it was very toxic and a known carcinogen. And, you know, did I realize that what we put on our skin is absorbed and that our like skin is our largest organ. And that was really the start of Emilorishim. Because I was so inquisitive, I read more into the ingredient and learned that it was banned in many countries. Uh, and had ingredients used to clean sewage pipe on it, pipes, oh my and I was on my skin. And I, you know, started digging into it. I, I realized how unregulated the beauty industry is. Um, it is in New Zealand and Australia, one of the least regulated industries and has had very minor changes over the last 50 years. And look, for me, I look at science and research and it was clear I needed to change what I put on my skin as the evidence was there to say it was having an impact on our health. So you started to look for, I guess, a luxury, high-performance, natural skincare brand and found absolutely nothing. Now, it's one thing to identify a gap in the market, but to physically decide, okay, I can fill this gap is another thing entirely. So was there, say, one specific light bulb moment during which you said, okay, I'm going to start a brand? Yes. So once I sort of like had this light bulb moment, firstly, that I did want to change my skincare to like natural clean alternatives, I went looking for ones that were still, you know, premium and luxurious, you know, like the Lumiere of the, of the natural world. And all of a sudden I'm in like pharmacies and organic health stores looking at like shea butters and rosehip oils and realized these are not going to deliver the results that I was used to and I wanted out of my products and I think what struck me was that there was a compromise for people that we had to make in skincare and also looking into natural skincare on the markets I found that many weren't 100% free of questionable ingredients and I thought that's so unfair you know I think people think if they're buying natural that they are getting the real deal and so I think that I, I really wanted to create something that I wanted and I wanted to do better for people. I wanted something really genuine and honest. And like mixed with that, I have always been passionate about sustainability and I just saw how like digging more into beauty and like putting a, like a, a real focus on it, just how unsustainable the industry was and how unbeautiful it really was. So it was, I think it, it just all built up with what happened in my life to, you know, losing my mother, everything just came together and it was my time to like do something for myself and go for something that I really believed in. So where did you go from there? I know that it was about a three-year process from conceptualization through to the launch. Can you talk me through that time and what those three years entailed, how you, you know, found the right biochemists, how you sourced packaging, decided on design, all of those little pieces of the puzzle? Yes. You know, I was really lucky from my career that I had the confidence that I felt that I could run and set up a, a company. So that was there, um, which I was fortunate, fortunate to have. But it was now I knew I needed good people around me to help me achieve what we wanted to achieve. 
So the first year alone was just putting together a, a team of the best biochemists. We've been brought out of retirement, one of the best formulas oh. um, in New Zealand. And we just spent a year alone researching globally uh, the natural extracts and ingredients and the innovation that was coming out in the world and reviewing the science behind it and the research and the evidence behind it before we even started. So it was purely a year just of understanding and research and testing. And wow. yeah, so like I can't understate that a month, uh, enough. It was just so many hours of like looking into ingredients and the results behind them before we even started so and then look we <laughs> another two years to crack the small number of products that we had because it is very very hard to create all natural skincare that is luxurious and has scientific validated results behind it. Uh, there's a reason why many turn to synthetics. They're a lot easier to manipulate and, and cheaper to use. So it was no easy feat what we we're trying to create. And there was seriously curveball after curveball, um, and particularly in the formulating area of what we wanted to like hit in the benchmark. It just took a really long time. Yeah, because I mean, with the number of I guess, boxes that you were wanting to tick. You exactly. could not have taken one single shortcut. There aren't any. No, no, exactly. And, exa you know, we were also overlaying all of that of understanding where the ingredients were coming and the sustainability aspect and also the packaging side of it coming in and trying to create more sustainable approaches and uh, understanding if we're going to use boxes, what will make sure that they're compostable. And um, we wanted luxury packaging, but we didn't want it to come at the compromise of the planet. So there, there was just a lot of work that went into the brand before launch and so much considered. Worth it as someone that uses the products. Absolutely <laughs> worth the three years. Thank you, Gemma. So you launched in... September 2019 with Skin Shield and Skin Reset. Why those two specific products? They were the products that I really wanted. So mm -hmm. uh, like Skin Reset focuses on not just reversing but preventing hyperpigmentation on the skin. That was my like original product that I wanted to solve to move away from hydroquinone. And I also felt that there was a real gap on the market for a product that was focused in hyperpigmentation. Uh, New Zealand and Australia, 60% of women struggle um, with hyperpigmentation and it's rated the number two skin concern. So I knew there was a big opportunity to produce something that was 100% clean, but works. Uh, particularly as hyperpigmentation is something that women who are pregnant suffer from but I'm also very conscious of what they put on their skin during that time so there that was skin reset the link with the sunscreens is that hyperpigmentation one of the main causes for it is the overproduction of melanin from too much sun exposure and so I knew if I wanted to really resolve the skin issue long term that I needed to get into a consistent pattern of wearing sun protection daily the thing that I struggled to find was a truly 100% natural sunscreen that met New Zealand and Australian testing standards, and we have the strictest testing standards in the world. Mm. Um, but 
was still luxurious to wear and overcome the real greasiness and over whiteness of natural sunscreens. So that was a particularly hard product. And I genuinely think we are like one of the only brands globally that's achieved that product with all those three aspects of being 100% natural, actually working um, and luxurious. Uh, so that, that's why we headed in that direction, the length of the hypersegmentation. But also because, you know, people say to me, like, how do, what, you know, what, what's the magic bullet of like beauty and how do we stop aging? And I want this magic cream, but people just don't realize that the best thing that we can do is wear sun protection and avoid the sun. That is what is the fastest contributing to aging skin. So I'm a big believer in promoting Sun protection within our range and having that offer for our customers and being honest that that is the number one thing that we can do to protect our skin and slow down the signs of aging this is what i harp on about all the time if it's so hard to convince people to start yeah. using sunscreen but one of the angles that i've found to work amongst my girlfriends is you are using all of this beautiful skincare yes. and you're putting on your stunning <laughs> makeup but then you're not wearing sunscreen so you're just wasting all of it like there's no point unless you've got sun protection there's no point it's i know i i hope that i hope to try and make like sunscreen the new black because <laughs> it, it really is uh it's a non-negotiable in my in my household we're getting there <laughs> good the brand is of course wildly successful now but what was the reception like right on launch Look, I think with any new brand, there's a period of time it takes for people to stand, understand who you are and what you stand for and to, of course, try your products and see results. I knew what we had delivered was different uh, and that we truly had created a product that didn't compromise people, the planet, and from a product sense, performance or luxury. But putting it out to the world, like it's one thing for me to know this, but was now over to the people. We were lucky that people adopted the brand really early and were not just like, I like the products, but they were like, I love the products and it's doing phenomenal things for my skin. And they then took their friends or being asked about it and telling people on the street, this is the product I was using. So quite quickly from the word of mouth, which I think is the most powerful form of marketing, our product became like fast selling and not just within New Zealand but we were shipping very quickly to 20 countries around the world Uh, and look I think you can have the best marketing in the world but without substance behind a brand you're just not going to succeed so like within six months we were sort of blowing our business advisors and like experienced business people away with our figures um, saying it was a fun scene and we had people like Courtney Kardashian asking for Emma Lewisham after she had a staff member on of hers from Poosh um, who was using our products and she sort of stopped her on a Zoom call and asked her, you know, what have you done to your skin? Um, which she said, I've been using this brand from New Zealand, Emma Lewisham. So some really cool things happened in such a short time and I like put it down to like those three years of like hard work and well maybe more than that you know my whole career of hard work and leading up to this moment wow and Courtney Kardashian's the fussiest one with ingredients and everything exactly. she puts on her skin that's she the one you want to get as far as skincare 
Yes, she like, advocates for the um, the changes in beauty regulations in America and works closely with the EWG, which is what we base our clean definition of. So we ban mm. 2,700 ingredients in our skincare, oh and we are working through our EWG certification at the moment, which would make us, I think, one of the very one of the only New Zealand beauty brands and one of the very few New Zealand Australian beauty brands. So Courtney is very much about clean skincare. Amazing. Sort of on that note, I read that the numbers that you've brought in in your first year on the market are outperforming what you'd predicted for your third year, which is incredible. I know why I love the brand, but if you were to put it down to just, say, a handful of details, what is it about Emma Lewisham Skincare that you think is resonating with so many people? I think that we've set a new benchmark in having 100% natural products that work and to top it off we care about people on the planet in the process that's a nice way of yeah summarizing it. <laughs> that's how i would like summarize it there's a lot more to it but in like summary yes <laughs> that's what i believe so more recently you launched the supernatural rich cream and the supernatural triple vitamin a plus face oil both of which i am using and i'm obsessed with were these ideas that you had had in your head prior to launching the brand or do you prefer to develop based on consumer demand we do take a lot of direction and ask our customers what they would like us to produce and i think that's really important um I stay really connected to our customers. I like write to them on Instagram and reply to their emails. I really care what they have to say. And early on when we spoke to people within our target market, they said they wanted um, a beautiful, all natural, like night cream and also a vitamin A product that they could use when they were pregnant and breastfeeding. And so they were, both those products we worked on for two years before they were launched, particularly the Supernatural 72 Bar Cream, as it's like a truly remarkable product that, that guy I'm so proud of, you know, getting something that's 100% natural that feels as luxurious as like any of the most well-known luxury brands with no easy feet. And we actually did independent testing, uh, comparing it against La Mer and Estee Lauder Nighttime Repair at regenerating fibroblast productions, which of course promotes collagen and elastin, and it outperformed both of them. So not only is it 100% natural, it is phenomenal in its performance. So um, we, this is why we spend so much time on our products to deliver that to our customers. Well, I was going to ask how long that process of development takes, but... Two years. Makes it's sense. A really long time. Yeah, it's a really long time. It's, um, again, like reviewing your sources, the performance of actors, what you're going to combine, the percentages that you're going to use, uh, and then the number of iterations you can go through to get something like uh, this particular product took like 52 iterations to get to the benchmark wow. that you wanted. I would imagine that part of that challenge is, of course, finding natural ingredients that can match or in your case obviously outperform the benefits that we are seeing in you know the mainstream skincare if you will that we might have you know made the switch over from a very broad question how do you go about doing this what we do is we are really tapped into innovative scientific labs around the world who their job and what they do is just look and research and create innovative ingredients 
And the interesting thing is, and what's happening in beauty is the biggest like growth and ingredients and focus is in within the natural skincare space. So like ingredients that we use that are being developed and coming out are things like Outerwise stem cells that we source in Switzerland, which are some of the most innovative and potent ingredients. Um, things like collagen peptides or lipopeptides, which are amino rich and provide like firming effects that help sort of skin integrity and natural skin aging defenses. So I think, look, we've been conditioned to think that high performance needs to come from man made synthetic mm. chemicals. And what I'm absolutely like seeing in the research and what's happening in the beauty industry is actually the highest performing cutting edge ingredients is coming from the complex natural world. And ironically, it is the bigger non-natural brands that are incorporating these really interesting, innovative actors in their products. So um, we essentially work with the best of the best and invest in ingredients and our products are never about let's keep a low cost. I'm always like, let's get the best result and I don't care what the cost is to produce it. I mean, people are, are fine with that if they're getting the results. I agree. I agree. And I don't ever want to um, like go about taking shortcuts there. And it's not about, for me, like making something that's cheap and making lots of money. It's just yeah. not. So it's, I'm fundamentally against that. So we are all about like sticking to our high-performance um, like mantra, but 100% clean and natural. It's super important that we do touch on your brand's sustainability initiatives as they really are like an Emma Lewisham skincare cornerstone. I sincerely do believe you are the world leader in this area. So perhaps we could start with the Emma Lewisham beauty circle. For those who aren't across it, what is this and how does it work? Sure. So it's an initiative that applies to New Zealand and Australia. And the background on it is that the beauty industry every year produces 120 billion units of packaging. Oof. And that's every year, you know, that's like literally every year. And the most sobering um, point to that is the majority of it is not recycled. <sighs> and if we keep up this level of consumption uh, by 2050, um, there's actually going to be 12 billion tons of plastic and landfills and the equivalent to 35,000 Empire State Buildings. Hard to get your head around. Oh but my it, God. Is, it is such an issue. And like, I'm just, yeah, I'm so passionate about making an abrupt change that needs to come in this area. So what I found is that there is a real difference between beauty companies saying technical recyclability and practical. So mm -hmm. there is a lot of material which you can say technically is can be recycled, but practically within New Zealand and Australia, we don't have the infrastructure to recycle it. So it goes either to landfill or our oceans. It's as simple as that. Um, so when I saw this, like when I could see that there was this issue, there was no way I was going to turn a blind eye to it. And we're doing two things. So first of all, we set up Emma Lewisham Beauty Circle, which allows, um, which means we take ownership for 
any of our packaging ends of life. We take it back for free and we have a partnership with TerraCycle, which they ensure it's recycled into um, things like playgrounds or things for the community. So they're not having to like dig up more material. We're using what's in circulation or they use it to create more emulsion material. So using what we already have, our plastic that we use is made of 100% recycled plastic versus again, creating more plastic. So the beauty circle is in place to ensure that we keep things in circularity. To go further than that, because I think like recycling is fine, but the, the biggest solution and the ultimate way we need to head as an industry is a refillable model. So our goal, and we will achieve this, is by April 2021, we will have all of our products offered in a refillable approach. Um, and we actually already offer refills now. So all of our glass material in New Zealand, Australia, you get, you can refill with us. You do it all on our, line, on, on our website and we refill what you already have. And it's about not contributing to that 120 billion units of packaging and using what we have already brought into the world. So an issue that I'm really passionate about. Uh, also, packaging is the biggest contributor to carbon emissions in the beauty industry. So another reason as to why we need to move to a refillable, reusable model and quickly. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. I think yes. one of the big things with sustainability, it's important that we as consumers do look at that entire supply chain and not just the finished product. So every yes. piece of emolution packaging is, as you've said, either recyclable, refillable or compostable. Your manufacturer uses, I think it's 80% renewable energy and you are yes. really working to move beauty towards this circular model. Again, in as much or as little detail as you wish, could you talk a bit more about that supply chain and some of the other initiatives that you have in place? I think working with manufacturers that have values that align with yours is such mm. an important thing and it's something that's often overlooked. It is actually. It's it's all those decisions that you make and you understand and take. I guess it's taking ownership for it and mm. we do that. We take ownership for every decision we make on how it's going to impact people and the planet. And we know that to solve the climate crisis, business as usual will not cut it. Like we all have to change the way that we act. So we have a sustainability strategy that addresses the six drivers of our supply chain. So that's our raw materials, uh, suppliers, manufacturing, distribution, retail outlets and customers. Um, and they're all aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So um, within that document, we're really transparent about, you know, what we need to do and also what we're not doing well, like and being open about these are the things that we haven't quite cracked. But we're working towards it. This is the challenges that we have. I think customers want that transparency from brands and openness and realness is something that I really advocate for. Um, I think that like one aspect of our supply chain, you know, obviously I've talked about becoming a 100% circular brand. Um, we are working through a project at the moment becoming to become carbon neutral at a product level. So very similar to what all birds do with their shoes, that we'll assign a carbon number to each one of our products and offset that carbon by either paying for credits, but longer term looking at how we bring 
um, that carbon number down by how we, you know, maybe source the, the, the material or what the ingredients that are in our, our products. So we know moving to more regenerative farms will bring down like our carbon emissions. So um, we're, we're working on that project at the moment so there, yeah there, there's a lot that we do um it's like a full-time job within our business of someone to just like manage all the projects that we have in the sustainability space but also it's such a um exciting and such a like call to our business anyway it's like what we live and live and breathe and get up for in the morning is how we can do do better so there's there's so much to come from us in this space and we hope to be like world leaders and set a much more sustainable path and to show that you know luxury and sustainability can coexist i really encourage listeners to visit the transparent beauty page of your website and i'll make sure i pop a link in the show notes for this because it really is the most thorough and transparent sustainability initiative that i have ever seen a beauty business share those pages are incredible just thank you Gemma. amazing so within the next couple of weeks emma lewisham products will be available in david jones stores which is so exciting what do you think visibility on this scale can do for a brand like yours Yes, we're so excited to launch with uh, such an iconic company like David Jones in Australia. And look, to be honest, we we think it really will, like having David Jones basically endorse us um, will definitely give us credibility uh, globally. But our real focus over the next 12 months is with our Australian customer and um being close in the Australian market, giving, um, putting real focus and attention there and not just like moving on really quickly and expecting that David Jones would do that job for us. We very much see that that is our role to uh, establish ourselves, truly connect with our customers, um, roll out our sustainability initiatives. And we will be rolling out also as part of David Jones some of the exciting like sustainability initiatives that we have. So we, do think it will have an impact globally, but very much focused on making Australia such a like focus of our, of our company and establishing ourselves there. You've sat at the helm of your brand for several years now from development quite some time ago through to launch last year. Over the last couple of years, what have been some of the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry? I think there's a lot more understanding of what goes on our bodies does have a correlation and I could go further and say a causation to our health. Mm-hmm. And I, I do not want to be like scaremongering here because I don't believe in that. I simply make these statements based on research and science and also government health officials who review and make changes to beauty regulations. So because of this, there has been such a growth in natural ingredient ingredients and also the, the growth in natural skincare available. Uh, I think that what's really exciting is in the beauty industry is just how much power people have and don't realize. But there is such a shift in beauty at the moment towards um, more like clean products and more sustainability and more transparency. And that is coming from people that's coming from people wanting it and demanding it. And I think it just shows that, you know, we all think we're just individuals, but we all can make a difference what happens in this world. So 
it's, a, it's an exciting time for beauty. I think there's a lot of changes to come. Well, on that, what are some of the changes that you think we can expect to see from the industry over the next couple of years? Look, I want to see the beauty industry stop producing packaging that can't be refilled, recycled mm-hmm. or reused. I honestly don't think it's acceptable for any company anymore to contribute in that manner. Um, it's actually just getting to a point that it's harmful. So I would love to see that in the next like year, more brands move towards a more of a circular model. Uh, and I'm, I'm loving seeing how much our customers speak up for, for these types of things and are bringing about a, a groundswell for brands to change. So I'd also love to see shifts and changes within New Zealand and Australia within our beauty regulations. And within New Zealand at the moment, I am campaigning and advocating for changes in our beauty regulations, particularly around 25 ingredients that I believe should be banned that are banned um, within Europe but not within our country so those are the types of things fingers crossed (laughs) my final question what is next for Emma Lewisham what is next look we want to continue to fight the good fight and bring about you know changes in the industry and continuing to develop some really innovative products and also in different categories, which is exciting for us. Um, and we'll launch mid late next year and continuing to sort of progress, like progress in our sustainability initiatives and um, be at the forefront of that in the, in the industry. That was Emma Lewisham, founder and CEO of Emma Lewisham Skincare, which you can find on Instagram at Emma Lewisham. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.